0: and welcome once again to this series of studies based on the book Praying with Passion Grounded in Obedience. The book is available on Amazon.com and other book dealers through both digital and bound formats. You will find a link on my website prayingwithpassion.com. I encourage you to get it. It will enhance your studies in this examination of prayer. Some time ago, someone I truly treasure and care about was struggling in life and seeming to waste so much of the talent, charm, personality, and life that that person possessed. My heart hurt for them in such a way that I was almost crushed by the thought of losing them, and I thought there was a very real chance that I would lose them. I knew, though, that through persistent, focused prayer, there was a chance for them to turn around, that God would intervene and redirect them back into the life I knew they were destined for. Along with my pastor at the time, my wife Kitty, and a couple of other committed believers, we all prayed in agreement that the person would turn around their life and recover their passion for living. It took a few years of persistent prayer, but they did turn around. They did recover their focus, and today they are among the most productive, joy-filled people I know. A fundamental change in that person's life took place through love, faith, and forgiveness. And that's where we're going in this study. We're looking for a fundamental change in our lives through prayer. Today, our study begins with the fundamentals of prayer. By that, there are certain basic building blocks or fundamental concepts of effective prayer. If we hope to make a positive difference in our own lives and in the lives of others we come into contact with, we need to learn how to be effective in our prayers. In the last session, I said I firmly believe that a life of prayer will change our hearts and draw us closer to God. And through that, we will have a greater ability to have a greater and positive spiritual effect over our families, our friends, our communities, and ultimately our entire area of Christian influence. Our influence comes about by us, born-again Christians, being connected to the awesome power of God. And we get that connection through prayer. We tap into that power through prayer. So, having said that, how powerful do you feel right now? How plugged into God are you? Do you go into prayer knowing you're directly connected to Almighty God, knowing that He hears your every prayer? Or do you go into prayer kind of tossing things up to the ceiling and hoping something will stick? Do you pray, sort of, but without any real idea that you will receive an affirmative answer to your prayers? Are most of your prayers simply whining or about something going on in your life or begging for something? Or have you just about given up on prayer? Oh, every once in a while you think of a short prayer because something bad happened to you and you say, help me, Jesus. Or maybe something really good happened to you and you think to say, well, thank you, Jesus. But has your prayer life lost its life? Or as we discussed last time, do you wonder if God still cares about you? Does he care about the world out there with all its troubles and evil? When you face adversity and hurt in your life, as we all do, do you really know that God is there to help you, to comfort you? What is going on out there that seems to interfere with every good thing we try to do? Are there cosmic forces out there that have focused directly on you and seem to be focused on causing you troubles? In answering those questions, we must first realize we are at war. You are at war, whether you believe it now or not. And war produces tough times and hardships, stress and strain and even casualties. What war do I mean? We are at war with Satan as surely as we've ever been in any other kind of war. And you have no choice in the matter. As a child of God, Satan has declared war on me and on you. And we have two options about it. One is to try to hide from Satan. And if we do try to hide, Satan will find us anyway. And by the way, even if you're not sure about God... The fact that you're here and you're looking for answers through a study on prayer has made you Satan's enemy. He'll be out to get your attention one way or another. Satan is like the old Debbie Harry song from the group Blondie, Someday, one way or another, he's going to get you. The other option we have in this war is to be like a soldier. We need to be ready, be trained, and be prepared to be actively engaged in the war against Satan and his evil designs on us. So if you're going to be fighting and engaged in this war against Satan, I have to ask you, are you ready, are you trained, and are you prepared? Well, let me ask you a couple of questions to help you answer those questions. If everyone you know prayed just like you pray right now, what would the world be like? would it be different? Are your prayers focused only on what you need, what you want, your immediate family, your comfort, your next job, your next thing, your next paycheck? Are most of your prayers about getting you stuff or about getting you and your immediate loved ones out of some trouble, some sickness, some distress? Well, how about this question? If everyone you know prayed just like you wish you prayed, what would the world be like? Now, that is a different question. Would the world be different? Would it be better? Would you be different? Would you be better? Would your prayer life still be focused only on you, or would it also be focused on the lost, the hurting, the sick, those in need, on those facing their own battles, their own troubles, their own adversities? Would your prayer life reflect the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the other fruits? Not just for you and yours, but for others as well, your friends, your neighbors, and for our culture. Would we sincerely pray for others, our government leaders, our church leaders and pastors, our enemies even, those who have hurt us or harmed us? Those are hard concepts and even harder to do, but I firmly believe that Jesus teaches us to do those very things. We are in a fight with Satan, even though I know Satan has been defeated by the death and resurrection of Christ. But without a doubt, he continues to flail at us and attack us. And without a doubt, we are in a cultural war. The evidence is all around us. If our prayer life was what we wish it was, would we be better prepared, better armed, better trained and ready for that cultural war and those battles with Satan? Please don't misunderstand my comments about the focus of our prayers. There is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting God's favor in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. But it can be so much more than that. As we grow and mature in the sanctification process, I think it is only natural that our outlook expands and begins to encompass others and the needs of others. At least I think that is what the Apostle Paul was talking about as he talked about moving from milk to meat. Looking at our own needs and the great needs that we see all around us, why isn't our prayer life more effective? Why isn't our prayer life something we embrace and that we're passionate about? The short answer, I think, is that we don't pray in God's will, and we don't pray with passion. With no passion in our prayers, why do we expect great results and great effects Let me tell you, I think we have to truly get real with God. We have to get off the soft clouds and snowflakes that seem to be the picture of the modern church, and we must get down to the trenches of warfare against Satan. I think that too often we don't truly understand our mission and focus here in this life on earth as Christians. Have you ever had the urge to run into the middle of the forest and shout, God, what am I doing here? What do you want me to do? You look around and you see a few others raising their hands to praise God, tears streaming down their faces as they passionately absorb the message and music of God. And you wonder, why not me? You see others with a burning desire to be on mission for God and acting on it, and you ask yourself, why don't I feel like that? I want what they have, and I want to know you, God, desperately and passionately. I want that for myself, too, and I want it for you. So as I've said, my mission with this study on prayer is to help you get an understanding of the power of prayer and to help you get joy back into your prayer life, to make a difference in your own life and in the lives of others through prayer. In doing that, I've come to believe that there are three fundamentals of prayer that every Christian must recognize, embrace, and practice before we will see affirmative answers to our prayers, before we will get that joy back into our prayer life, and before we will have passion in our prayer, and before we can have a proper foundation for prayer. Those three fundamentals are faith, love, and forgiveness. Each of those fundamentals is backed by or authored by one of the elements of the Trinity, the Godhead, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. First, let's talk about faith. How does faith work? That question will remain long after we try to explain it. If faith were fully understandable, it would no longer be faith. It would be something else like knowledge or certainty or facts. Prayer starts out with the basic understanding that it works through faith— the Bible says in Hebrews 11:6 without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. God the Father is the author and source of our faith. As I said before, faith is a gift to us from God, yet we gain faith only when we actively look for it. We cannot be passive about our faith. It won't just automatically come to us. We must develop the faith that has been given to us through our salvation. Not only do we embrace our faith, we must also consciously exercise our faith. Jesus said in Matthew 17:20 that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. That statement by Jesus intimidates us, at least it does me, because none of us has ever moved a mountain by our prayers. I've never even moved a rock through prayer, let alone a mountain. Yet we all claim to believe the Word of God as given in the Bible is true. In the verse above, Jesus is teaching us at least two things, and neither has anything to do with reconfiguring the landscape. First, it only takes a small amount of true faith for God to move and for us to see supernatural things begin to happen. The moving of God by our feeble words and actions seems impossible until we understand God's infinite power and His great love for us. Our tapping into that infinite power is only possible when we have a relationship to and fellowship with God through prayer. Having that relationship and fellowship must come through the intentional exercise of faith. Receiving and embracing the gift of faith is very much a rational decision. It is something that we physically and mentally decide to do. Faith is not some mystical fog that enshrouds us and through some transcendental phenomena anoints us with this thing we call faith. Faith isn't voodoo. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The essence of spiritual faith is a decision we make rationally and in light of what we have come to know in the spiritual world. Yet when it comes to using our faith to believe that God will do what he says he will do, our faith fails us, or rather we fail our faith. When it comes to using so little faith that it is measured by a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds that we can imagine, we decide on our own that such faith is beyond us. We've heard the words, but too often lack the trust necessary to exercise even that mustard seed's worth of faith. And until we recognize that we do have that faith in us, we will continue to deal with our human adversities and human problems in our own human way and only within our own human power. Romans 12:3 says, "For by the grace given to me I say to every one among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned." God has given us faith. God has assigned us faith. Faith makes us think, imagine, and dream. It pushes out clutter. Faith gives us eyes inside ourselves. Faith makes our lives a living testimony to God's power. I won't let Satan tell me I have no faith or not enough faith. I encourage you to do the same thing. Embrace your faith. Think about your faith. Reinforce the idea that you do have faith. When we were born again, we were given the measure of faith God assigned to us. It is our soul that must mature and grow into the faith we have been given. In our spirit, we have the identity of Christ. Therefore, we must each learn to embrace and use our faith. Usually, it's not our faith that is the problem. It's our unbelief. We can have both, you know. We must learn to overcome the unbelief. When we worry about what people may say or what others may think, then we will negate our faith with doubt and unbelief. When we doubt our ability to live in God's Word, we negate our faith. Our faith lives or resides in our minds, and our minds can either nurture and develop that faith or turn away from that faith and use only the physical senses we have of touch, taste, smell, sight, and hearing. But, and here's the good news, when we do believe in God and decide to live in our faith, when we do trust in Jesus, and when our faith grows and develops, we will have immense spiritual power to accomplish great things in the name of God. That spiritual power will give life to our faith. And that is the second part of that earlier verse. When we do those things, we will then see powerful and even supernatural results that take place that only God can bring about because of our prayers. We will then begin to move spiritual mountains. We will then begin to conquer our spiritual adversaries, not through our own power, but through the power of God. So embrace your faith. Next time, we will look at the remaining two fundamentals of prayer, being love and forgiveness. If you have the book, don't read too far ahead as we will continue with our building block approach to prayer. But I do ask that you read the introduction as well as chapters 1 and 2 of the book, Praying with Passion, Grounded in Obedience. I'll see you next time as we continue our study. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you and give you peace.